You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 61. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners, so please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. And I'm Mark, and I'm, of course, joined by my other co-host from Texas, Jasmine. Yeah, hey. Is it loud? I feel like you're going to go, yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you give me way too much, like, hillbilly credit. I don't <laughs> I don't have that much hillbilly in me. <laughs> Where's your cowboy hat? I don't have one, actually. We are not that rural, okay? I live in, I live in the fourth largest city in the nation. So, no, we do not ride horses to work. Oh, so oh, maybe oh, so in the big cities, then they have horses and carts. <sighs> okay, okay. Well, talking of rural, uh, this week's reviews are Master of the Universe Revelations Part One from Netflix. We'll also be highlighting the 1983 He-Man Master of the Universe cartoon, as well as some of the other He-Man cartoons as well. Yeah, we're going all in on He-Man. So this is your one and only spoiler warning. <laughs> if you have not watched part one of Masters of the Universe on Netflix, you might want to pause this and come back because we cannot talk about the other cartoons without spoiling everything that happens in this first five-part episode arc on Netflix. So fair warning. Before we jump into any news or anything else, like I couldn't believe it at the beginning of the week when I saw... Uh, the Army of the Dead's already getting a prequel. I know. And it's coming out this year. I feel like wow. that was moving way fast. Like, that was just such a surprise. When that trailer dropped, I was like, flipping heck. I was like, yeah, it looks really good, right? It looks so good. I was like, the only thing I was like, oh, I wish it wasn't a prequel. I was like, oh, I love that it's a prequel because Dieter was actually one of my favorite characters no, 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 in, the, no. in the movie. What I mean is, I wish he'd have survived. Like, I wish, oh. like, because that's the one thing I hate about watching prequels, knowing that he's going to die. Like, well, I kind yeah. of. It takes away any, like, because you know that he'll survive the film. Like, you'll know mm-hmm. that he'll survive um, Army of Thieves. Yeah. So so basically, yeah. Army, Army of Thieves trailer dropped, which is a prequel to the Army of the Dead on Netflix. And it's going to follow Dita and a whole bunch of new characters set around the early stages of the uh, the zombie invasion in Las Vegas. Um that I don't believe is going to be covered in any other detail. They show a little clip on some TV set or something like that. But other than that, it's basically a heist film. So where you had Army of the Dead, which was a heist film and a zombie film, this is going to be, by the on the surface, looks like a heist film. However, it's Zack Snyder, so I'm sure there's Drop other in. things. Yeah, there's going to be other crazy shit in here. Like, and, yeah. um, so <laughs> I, the cast looks amazing, and Netflix, they don't like to let you know too much in advance when these things are coming out so it's some point this year (laughs) likely holiday time so sometime between thanksgiving and christmas would be my guess yeah well we'll have to see we'll obviously watch it of course it looks great we'll have to somehow find the ability to do an episode if they if they drop it on us maybe we'll throw you an extra one or something so and natalie manuel's in it so i love her i know when i saw her i was like so good that she's in that so yeah. especially after fast nine i was yeah. like she's on the best people in fast nine now or in the fast <laughs> fast franchise so. yeah 
so this week's verses, which oh, normally man. gets a lot more traction, we drop it everywhere. Well, actually, no, I don't ever put it on Twitter, or I don't really often put it on Twitter, but um, it, it gets a lot more traction on Instagram. It, yeah. yeah, it seems to always, well, yeah, definitely helping this week. So Bugs Bunny versus Roger Rabbit. So, oh, man. Roger got I, assassinated. Yeah, right. like, I, you know, and I love Roger Rabbit. I really do. But uh, I don't know. You can, When you're comparing the hybrid animated slash live action bunnies against each other, I mean, Bugs Bunny just has like a almost a 50 year head start on Roger Rabbit. So how can I just you feel not like Roger Rabbit? I, I voted. I, I think Roger's a lot more crazy. They both got elements of crazy, but I feel like Roger's more insane. Nah, I Bugs takes him hands down. Like it uh, to me, it wasn't even a contest. <laughs> but Bugs wins. Like we're not going the full twelve rounds. This is no. This is going to be a knockout, not a decision, not a technical. No, this is a dra- knockdown, drag out, and Bugs Bunny is coming out on top. Oh, is it? So Bugs got eighty percent on the vote on the stories, and the comments were easily like more than 80 percent towards oh, bugs sure. yeah. so what about lola versus jessica so technically jessica's a human so but i'm still gonna give it to lola they're both animated yes they're both animated but i'm gonna give it to lola because lola seems um like more streetwise like Jessica would definitely use her like womanly wiles to get what she wants, but Lola Bunny well, seems she, like yeah, she did in Roger Rabbit, yeah. Yeah, like if you catch Lola Bunny in a dark alley, you might get shanked. Like I wouldn't fuck around with Lola. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like she seems yeah, like Jessica, she's straight Jessica's off the street. Got, Jessica's got height. Oh, yeah. yeah, but still. No, I'm give, I'm I'm gonna stick with Lola on that one. I'm sticking. I'm sticking <laughs> with the Looney Tunes, man. The Looney Tunes. I'd love to see more Roger Rabbit. If we go, if we get more Space Jam, we've got to get more Roger Rabbit. Oh man, I you know I watched the new Space Jam. Oh, have you? I haven't seen it yet. It was good. It, if you look at it for face value, it's good. Uh, if you're not comparing it to the first one, like WB just kind of went all in and they were like, how many of our franchises can we put into this film? You know what? All of them. Every single franchise we've ever done is going to make an appearance in this film. Um. But LeBron was, you know, say what you will about Michael Jordan, but like Michael Jordan was the goat back then, right? Like he had the same kind of attitude that he has on court where it was just kind of like, screw you guys. Like I'm the star of the show. Give me the ball and I'm going to win. Whereas the story this time around was a little bit more like, hey, you know, if your kid is showing an interest in something, maybe you should pay attention to what your kid is interested in versus you pushing your kid into something that you think they should be doing, which was a nice message. Uh, but LeBron is just not, he's hes fine, like in stuff on HBO, like the shop where he's just talking shop with his broskies, but like LeBron acting, not so much. He's not that great. <laughs> but again, like, I mean, it's really Space Jam. Like, Come on, like, yeah, it's really gonna, it's not, yeah, it's not, um, gone with the wind or yeah so i I enjoyed it because i thought that they did a really good like upgrade as far as technology goes and the players that they put in i really loved that they actually had WNBA players as part of the goon squad this time so that was really cool um yeah i I mean i enjoyed it like especially as a basketball nerd like i grew up watching the nba and so anytime i get to see that crossover into my love of movies it's a win-win for me my plan is to watch that new space jam but oh yeah, I don't, I don't know fun. when. Oh no, we'll watch it. Like um, I think your girls would like it too. 
Because no, I want to watch it. There's there's a few family <laughs> films that have come out, like Jungle Cruise came out today, but mm-hmm. which we'll watch that as well. And um, I think Cruella was the last sort of family film. I remember Is Jungle Cruise on Disney Plus? Yeah, the Premiere Access one. Okay. I've not watched it, though, but um, I will watch it. But Cruella, like I said to you, is brilliant. That's probably about the best family film I've seen this year. You should definitely watch that. Um, I need to. But no, honestly, Cruella's so good. But I, I always sing anything with Emma Stone's praises. And Cruella I even should be amazing. off of the premiere by now, right? It should be on regular Disney Plus or not yet. I don't know. Because Ryan the Last Dragon took a while. Uh, I think it took like three months. So I, oh, yeah, I might have really... a little bit more time to wait on Cruella. Yeah. Um, so should we jump into some news? Huh, speaking of House of Mouse, Scarlett Johansson has filed a lawsuit in Los Angeles Superior Court against Disney, citing breach of contract for the simultaneous release of Black Widow into theaters and onto Disney Plus. So, according to the Wall Street Journal, her suit claims, quote, Disney intentionally induced Marvel's breach of the agreement without justification in order to prevent Ms. Johansson from realizing the full benefit of her bargain with Marvel. So what that basically boils down to is Scarlett negotiated her salary for this film on the premise that the film would be a theatrical release. Now, say what you will, no one knows what that actual contract looks like, but in Hollywood terms, theatrical release does not mean simultaneous release. So I am sure she was under the impression that that meant this was going to be a theatrical film, not a also released on streaming film. So she's basically suing for loss of wages is kind of what it boils down to. And you know what? I'm, I'm not mad at it. Can't blame her. Um, <laughs> Disney's response <laughs> is to be expected. Their response basically flat out says, quote, there is no merit whatsoever to this filing, end quote. And then they go on to say, which I thought was a terrible thing to include anyway. They go on to say that the lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Really? So now you're going to blame Scarlett Johansson blaming COVID for you not keeping up your end of the bargain i don't know i think scarlet probably was like you know what they killed me off in the main series uh we always knew black widow was going to be a one and done for me so she's got nothing to lose like she already knows that she's not coming back to this disney franchise so might as well just put everything on the table and i wouldn't i mean you know it's disney they've got basically they can print their own money um, but I wouldn't count Scarlett and her lawyer out because her lawyer is John Berlinski, who is also the same guy who, uh, a while ago, this was a while ago, uh, the producer for the original season of AMC's The Walking Dead, Frank Darabont, sued them for a uh, breach of contract and, com- you know, it was like compensation issues and all kinds of things. Uh, John Berlinski handled that case, which went in Frank Darabont's favor. Uh, He also handled a really big case with the cast and some of the producers of Bones and ended up getting that group a $179 million settlement from the network from Fox for uh, contract rights or breach of contract. So Scarlett's got the right lawyer in her corner. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. I was going to say, so Scarlett Hansen 
I believe has been paid 20 million for this and she was hoping to get I think 50 million Mm -hmm. or probably closer to 70 I would have think if it's if it's the 50 plus the 20 salary now I have heard some people go kind of rude comments about a rich so-and-so just wanting more money now like I get where some people might be coming from in terms of yes 20 million 70 million for one person to earn is probably unnecessary but equally she signed a contract and made a deal with these people so it doesn't matter how much she agreed and she went into this under the assumption that she was going to earn x amount of money and like you said she knew when she went into this that her character was killed off Mm -hmm. so she knew that this was her only big payday she knew that this was like how robert downey jr had been negotiating better and better contract deals as he went on she knew that this was her only movie so she obviously wanted to reap the benefits of that so yes okay earning 20 million for one person is a good chunk of money and she probably could easily earn you know 20 50 million plus on her on her next few films you know scarlet's headlined a lot of movies on her own outside of marvel but really has she been in i was thinking about this outside of the marvel films anything that's done as amazingly as in marvel i no. would say probably not um i mean lucy was a fairly terrible film <laughs> Yeah. Ghost in the Shell, again, didn't do too well for her. And it also, I know fans weren't particularly happy with the casting. And so she was probably banking on this being her big payday. Now, I know Christopher Nolan as well. I mean, before this, he jumped on the whole idea of what, what they've been doing with HBO Max. And he, mm-hmm. he referred to HBO Max as the worst streaming service. <laughs> um, and, he, and he's saying things like, people have been blindsided by what HBO Max have been doing. Mm-hmm. And I think probably Scarlett Hansen's in the same boat, that she's blindsided. She, like you just said, was expecting a theatrical release, probably followed by three to six months later on Disney+, Plus, not right. a simultaneous launch. And I still don't think it should have been a simultaneous launch. It was unnecessary. Disney, It's not like Disney+, Plus. sorry, it's not like Disney had licensing deals. They could have easily have put it in theaters and waited three mm-hmm. months and put it on. They would have still made the same amount of money. Like, well, yeah. they would have probably made more. They probably would have made more money. So, because yeah. also if you think about the amount of now illegal downloads that are going on, um, because the moment Disney put that on Disney Plus, they instantly created a clear, perfect, you know, HD copy for, for mm-hmm. pirates to get their hands on. They didn't need to go and send jackasses with cameras and trench coats into theaters yeah. and uh and like watch those copies where you see people getting up out of the seats i pay yes. any money if they hadn't put it on disney plus for at least three months the the theaters would have made a hell of a lot more money and i think we of talked course. about this previously theaters were upset by this being one of the biggest drops ever like yeah. from 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 week one into week two mm-hmm. so i i you know okay yes she's been earned a lot of money already yeah and yeah, yes, okay, probably to the people that are getting paid 30 grand a year to go from being, you know, on the outside, they're seeing someone getting paid 20 grand and getting potentially getting paid 70 grand. They're like, well, it's unnecessary. Yes, okay, it's slightly unnecessary, but she signed a contract. She signed a deal with them people and they need to honor it. Like, exactly. So, so to address um, the people that say she already makes enough money, fuck you. Yeah. Okay, that's, like, that's my response to that. Fuck you. It doesn't matter how much money she has already made between her and her agent and her own lawyer that negotiated that contract with Marvel and Disney. She 
she got her, her base. And then basically the way that the compensation package worked was she would get paid more money in increments based on the way that the movie performed in theaters. Then when you yeah. take away that theater stream, you have effectively taken away that stream of income. Now, mm-hmm. it, again, they already pushed the movie a year. What's another year? What's another, what's another six months? If, if you were really worried about how this film would perform, what is the rush? There, there was no rush for you to put this movie out, especially since it's out of sequence, especially since it doesn't have any bearing on the films that are already slated to come out this year. It, it would not have made a difference. And counterpoint to the people who say, well, she already made $20 million. Isn't that enough? Robert Downey Jr. was in Spider-Man Homecoming for 21 minutes and he made $15 million for 21 minutes. Okay. So if you think that her making 20 million plus residuals is too much money, fuck off. That's, I, also I think mean, that's that completely she, ridiculous. She should be getting paid the same as her male counterparts. And that's been the ongoing argument throughout oh, yeah. like Hollywood is that men are getting paid more than women. Ah, see, but that, the problem with that is people think that, oh, you know, women, you get so uppity. Like you're getting, <laughs> you're getting so out of your place. Like, aren't you happy with the scraps that we're giving you? No, bitch, we want all the money. Like this <laughs> is, and I mean, I, I say this as someone who works on a salary base plus a commission. There's no freaking way. There is no way that if I was commission based and I was working on a project and then halfway or once the project is completed, my boss would be like, oh, by the way, that compensation that we had talked about and the you know commission package, it's not happening. I'd be like, bullshit, it's, it's happening. Like you're going to pay me what you owe me because this is what our contract says. Like, so I'm all mm. for it. I am 100% in favor of her suing if if those grounds of breach of contract are in fact true. So get your Disney money, girl. To, I know Disney, uh, Disney made um, a statement about how they didn't think it was appropriate given the current uh, climate of COVID. Thought it was something like distasteful or something like that. And I and I my thoughts on that were if that was followed up with. Disney saying that the money they generated through Disney Plus was going to be to compensate the wages of those staff that they dismissed from all their parks and yeah. various other places that, oh, well, we've made, yes, we have made extra money through Disney Plus, but we'd actually earmarked that for all the staff that we had to sack 12 months ago that have been living on scraps. They haven't followed up with that. So the money clearly is just going towards Disney. Right. Like, and probably and even if it was going to a good cause, that still has nothing to do with Scarlett and, oh, and no, no, the no, money no. that it, she signed. It doesn't, but yeah. what I'm saying is they tried to undermine it by saying, oh, well, given the current climate, we don't, you know, it's distasteful or whatever. Right. But you haven't said what you're doing with the money that you've made. Like, is it, where is it going? Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to the, is it going to the shareholders? Are you paying dividends? Is it going to build more content? Because I'm dead sure that it's not going towards the people that you laid off 12, 18 months ago. Right. Or if you were going to roll it over and do the same thing, like, yes, we didn't do it in theaters, but we're also giving you a percentage of what we made on Disney Plus well, yeah, sales yeah. as well. Like, so what I'm saying is they didn't follow it up with yeah. what, like, uh, you know, because they don't went, have to tell us. Well, yeah. Well, they don't have to tell us where it's going. It's true. But what I'm saying is when they're saying it's distasteful, where's the money going? Like, you know, it's, it's distasteful. Okay. Well, but it's inappropriate for them to say that it's distasteful. That's not for you to say. What's distasteful is you fuckers opening your parks in the middle of a pandemic and then just throwing a mask mandate on there for everyone else to do that. That's distasteful. But no, you want to drag her through the mud because she called you on your bullshit. So (laughs) I'm I'm 
hey, look, I love Disney and I understand that corporations want to make money. I get that. But obviously this lawyer saw something in this case that he thinks is winnable. This does not, mm. to me, sound like one of those bullshit lawsuits that it's just like, oh, you, I hurt my neck and I'm going to sue you because you made me look sideways too fast or something. You know, it, this seems like there's some legit merit behind it. So I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Okay, so moving into, I guess it's shitty news. Um, <laughs> not as shitty as it is for Scarlet, but shitty for fans of Horizon Forbidden West. It's going to be not coming out this year. So ah, we, do you know what? The, the gig gods gave us the army of thieves this year and they're taken away with the other and uh, the move, uh, the game has been delayed. So basically it's an unconfirmed in speech marks source from the podcast giant bomb uh, has made what well, the podcast giant bomb has made it public, but will not uh, be hitting the shelves this year, especially we're probably anticipating nearer to Christmas release of this game. But, but anyway, um, PlayStation said it was on track previously, but hadn't given a date. And I think we, we'd mentioned that a few times, kept saying, like, when's yeah. it coming out? And if anyone knows forbidden, um, sorry, horizon zero dawn is like one of my favorite ever games. Like, yes. as, as a kid, it was Sonic the Hedgehog. Then it became the Tomb Raider franchise. But as an adult, uh, actually the last of us, sorry, the first last of us, I still haven't played the second one. Um, and I have it though, but I still haven't played it. Um, <laughs> But I love Horizon Zero Dawn. It's such yeah. a good game, like, honestly. So I've been so looking forward to the second one. Anyway, so it's going to have a PS4 release and a PS5 release. I assume this delay is maybe because they don't want to make another cyberpunk problem. Like, yes, I, which I'm fine with. I would much yeah. rather these studios push a game back if it comes out day one ready to play versus if it comes out day one and I still got another four weeks of glitches and all kinds of things to get through while you're updating the game at the same time. Mm -hmm. So there's been 15 minutes of in-game play that came out earlier in the year. Um, man, oh man, did it look pretty. Look good. Oh, it looks so good. It looks like, so good. Well, if anything out- like makes me want to get a PS5, it's it's to play this game on it because the, the landscapes just look phenomenal. When that when that um came out, I was like, that game must be coming out soon. They can't be released. <laughs> they can't they can't be releasing this. Yeah. And the game not be ready to play. Like I um, wonder though if it's because they're having so many logistics issues getting PS5s into the hands of consumers. Like I, I think it's probably like they they're pushing this back. A, they're probably still working on the game, but also they don't have enough consoles to play the game on. I mean, the, plenty of people still have their PS4s, but you know what what better way to promote your ps5 than with a beautiful well, yeah but if you like release this? it on ps5 you can probably sell that for like i mean the price of the games now are so ridiculous but like they'll yeah. probably sell that on ps5 for like between 70 or 80 pounds like, oh of course um, of course which is just nuts like i remember when i used to have a playstation 2 and 3 and you or even a one like you get games between 20 and 40 quid like brand new and like nope. now they're like double the price Insane. 70 bucks day one so insane yeah like, I'd, oh, oh, honestly, I wouldn't sleep. Well, I would sleep, but I would still be pretty annoyed <laughs> myself spending 70 pounds. I bought that original Horizon Zero Dawn on sale. <laughs> so, yeah, me too. I got uh, it in the PS4 store. I think I got that game with the DLC that came with it. The What was it? The Forbidden Wilds or the Frozen Wilds? Frozen um, Wilds. Yeah, yeah, Frozen Wilds. For like $6.99, PlayStation was having a hell of a deal. I was like, yeah, digital. I'll take a digital version of this game for seven bucks. 
I only get digital if it's a really good deal. Like otherwise, I will buy the disc. Which and I do like the digital because you don't have to get up if you're just mm-hmm. you know. Well, if you're flipping between games, but I mean, if you're just playing the one game, you know, stop being lazy, get up and put the disc in. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the time now, you can get good secondhand games on disc. So yeah. Anyway, we'll be back in a moment. Hey there, this is Adam from Go Figure, and if you're a child of the 80s or a toy collector, you'll probably dig what we're doing. Each week, we look at a toy line from the past, find some toys from that toy line that could use some help, and walk you through the steps that take them from the garbage bin to the display case once again. We have a lot of fun and rescue a lot of toys, so go over to YouTube, type in Go Figure, and come check us out. All the magic that flows through Eternia starts here. And it's going to be all mine. Let this be a final battle. And we're back. So before we jump into our main event, we're going to highlight the history of the Master of the Universe. So He-Man and the Master of the Universe um, was originally a 1983 cartoon that ran to 1985, which consisted of two seasons and I believe it was 63 episodes. It was produced by Filmination and based on the Mattel's toy line, Master of the Universe. It starred a variety of actors who <laughs> did more than one role. So <laughs> John Irwin John was Prince Adam slash He-Man and Ram Man, Beast Man, Faker, Webster, Whiplash, and a few others. Alan Oppenheimer was Skeletor, Cringer, Battle Cat, Man-at-Arms, Merman, Buzzloff, Roboto, and a few others as well. So Skeletor was everyone. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, there, there's, there's obviously a few people in here. Uh, Lou Scheimer was... Uh, oh, he was credited as Eric Gundam. Okay. So he was Orko, uh, King Randor, Stratus. <laughs> I love this. Manny Faces. <laughs> Uh, he was loads of other people like lizard man yeah trap jaw i love George trap jaw honestly like so linda gray played teela evil lynn that must have been weird like having conversations with yourself sometimes uh queen marlena uh and every woman in the sorceress of castle grayskull and a few other basically the women were done by Linda Gray yes. and, and He-Man was done by John Irwin and Skeletor pretty much did everybody else. So, and um, Talk about like an abuse of power. Like, hey, we're doing this ensemble cast TV show. It's animated. Uh, we got five voice actors and between the five of you, you're voicing 47 characters. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so followed by the... Spin-off series, She-Ra, Princess of Power, came out in 1985 to 1986. That lasted 93 episodes. That was a rebooted series. Sorry, a rebooted series also followed uh, called She-Ra, Princess of Power, which was on Netflix. That came out in 2018, and it finished in 2020. So for those who don't know, She-Ra is Adam's twin sister. She lived on the other side of Eternia. And, of course, Mattel and Film Nation decided that they'd get more money by making another show. So More figures! Yay! Um, anyway, <laughs> the new adventures of He-Man 
was a another spin-off. So just to highlight, actually, the 1983 series went into syndication. That actually was repeated all the way until like 1988, uh, along with the movie release, which we will talk about separately. Anyway, The New Adventures of He-Man came out in 1990, ran to 1991. Uh, that, again, was He-Man and Prince Adam, voiced by Doug Parker. And this story is very different to the original Master of the Universe. It basically He-Man is brought to the future to somewhere called Primus, which that doesn't seem to really, from what I can understand, have any links to Eternia. Not really sure about that too much. And um, anyway, Skeletor, voiced by Campbell Lane, he also goes to the future because basically these idiots basically go back in time. <laughs> like, so I've seen the pilot. It's basically these two morons get sent back in time to get He-Man and He-Man's brought to the future. It lasts for two seasons again. And it doesn't end with He-Man going back. It does end with Skeletor sort of flying off into space. And then He-Man's sort of standing around laughing with all his new friends. It's basically a new cast <laughs> other than He-Man and Skeletor. So um, do you want to highlight the 2022 version? So the 2002 sorry, 2002, version, sorry, 2002 yeah. version. Uh, was also He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. This one actually was pretty good. Once I started watching like the first episode, I wound up watching like six episodes and I was like, okay, seriously, I really need to do something else right now. <laughs> like, um, but this one to me, I think it sort of explained some things a little bit more. So I watched, I went back and rewatched a lot of these after we had already watched the Netflix series and rewatching this one, I felt like this 199 or I'm sorry, the 2002 series sort of gave the best background into uh, like the characters that we come to know in the the new Netflix series. So that was really appreciated. Like Skeletor was an actual being before he got his skeleton face, but also his like skeleton face has a very eerily similar story to origin story to like Joker because he got acid on his face that turned him into a skeleton face. I don't know. Anyway, of course, cartoons, right? Like anything's possible uh so this cast again uh mark Aixen played fisto and chadzar kathleen barr was evil lynn lisa and Beely is tila don brown as evil seed gary chalk as duncan man-at-arms and whiplash and cameron clark as prince adam and he-man so basically it's some of the same cast as that 1991 um series which was pretty interesting but Again, that one that one was a little bit more fun to watch. The animation got a bit of an update. Um, He-Man does not have his perfect Edna Mode Bob anymore. He actually has like a decent haircut in that version as well. Um, but again, interesting backstories there. So I really kind of enjoyed watching that one. Yeah, I think um, with the the 2002 version, it kind of likes to, they kind of flesh out like give actual origin so so actually let's go back and talk about the 1983 version before we obviously jump into our main event so the 1983 version we clearly have not watched every episode before this episode um for our episode of the podcast we watched a couple of episodes so we watched the pilot another episode and a couple and i watched the sort of the finale as well and uh and but more just so the first episode is kind of 
I felt like to me it was like a guidebook rather than a real episode because yeah. it was a real intro. It was more like it dropped know, you in the it, middle kind of, of it though. Like the, it dropped you in the middle, but it was more like here are all these characters. It was kind of a character. I wouldn't say character episode in terms of developing characters. It was just a list of characters, and probably again, it probably was more like okay, well we've got a bunch of toys coming out, so let's just do the first episode where we tell all the people who these characters are like yeah. so i didn't really love the first episode but i thought it was good in terms of introducing you to everybody um one of the it was it was kind of cool though because i've not watched it for so long honestly I've probably not watched it for 20 30 years mm-hmm. but seeing that intro with he-man in, in front of Car- um castle grayskull and, yeah. and he's holding the sword i and, have the power yeah yeah like and and all that that sort of electricity stuff coming out of him and and then he points at cringer who becomes battle cat i was like oh this is cool but i completely <laughs> forgot though that the end of every, every episode ends with a um oh my god like a thing the, the like messages, a thing like they are the so sweet like just oh remember children blah 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 like oh i can't i can't remember any of the messages now but like oh my gosh oh. so the one at the finale was uh man of arm man at arms and he was kind of like listen you know some people lie but you can't assume that everyone lies so basically yeah. you have to be discerning in who you trust because yeah. not everyone has your best intentions at heart but not everyone is out to get you either and it's just kind of like wow i don't remember this from the 80s at all i don't remember that kind of stuff happening but it's it's super cool like that's that's another thing that i noticed about watching this 1983 version it's like this show is entirely too wholesome there's no way they would get away with making a show like that now unless it was literally like a nickelodeon kid show but Mm. even still like uh, like Peppa Pig is rude and she hangs up on people. Like, I know, I know. so Peppa Pig is crazy. And even Dora the Explorer and Swiper, like, they got bad blood between those two. So it's like they don't make shows like this anymore. And watching it, like, as an adult, like this. So the 83, the original series came out before I was born. Um, like, like, that's literally what I noticed right off the bat. I was like, God, this show is so innocent. Like, and there's one scene where He-Man is fighting Evelyn and Beastman, and He-Man throws them into some mud. And the first thing that Beastman says is, yuck. And I was like, what? Yuck? Um, and e- even when Evelyn gets thrown in the mud, she's like, ugh. And I'm just like, wow. First of all, villains don't get thrown into the mud anymore. Like they get punched in the face, teeth go flying. Like everything is so violent nowadays. So it's, it's interesting to see that this is truly a product of that time. Cause none of that is, is apparent. Like there's, there's very little of that. Even when people get like thrown halfway across the room, like mm. they don't get hit in the face. It's sort of just like, Oh, look that guy, he just went flying. I wanted to talk about the second episode, though, of um, the 1983 show, which I'm glad I watched, considering what the main event was. <laughs> like, I didn't realise. I watched. It, I just watched the second episode more because I'd watched the first episode, and I was like, okay, so the first episode didn't really feel like a story to me. It just felt like an introduction to, oh, here's all these characters. Like, And I was like, okay, well, I want to watch an actual... I thought they're not going to all be like this, surely. So I watched the second episode, and I preferred the second episode a lot more. So I thought it was cool with the intro of a spaceship and 
then you find out that's a flashback to mm. actually Adam's mum and that she comes from Earth and she was a pilot and crash lands on Eternia and she's oh that was a long time ago and I I had I do remember there was a linkage to Earth in an episode and I remember seeing this as a kid where um, I don't remember which episode it was but there was an episode where something happens where potentially Earth is going to be threatened. And I actually remember that Adam's mum does the thing at the end, you know, the message at the end. Mm-hmm. And she and she says something like, oh, kids, don't worry. Earth was never really in any danger. This is just a cartoon or something like that. And I actually do remember that as a kid. Um, so, But I love that little intro there. And I thought that was quite cool that they kind of fleshed out the mum, mum's character and given origin. And I know as well, uh, there's a Christmas movie that comes out later with He-Man and She-Ra. And they embrace Christmas and she sort of tells them about Christmas because obviously she's from Earth. And um, she, they, they were, I think He-Man and She-Ra like decor- uh, decorating, a, decorating the castle or something. And, and, and King Randall's like, oh, you know, what, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, it reminds me of Christmas. And he, she's like, well, what's Christmas? And like, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, so I love that little intro of, of them. And, but, it was, but that was a good tool that they used because it obviously had a, like a memory um, sort of, band or thing was, they yeah, like a memory heart. watcher yeah 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 and uh, and then tila uh it leads to sort of seeing more background about her past and i love that the second episode actually was very tila centric mm-hmm. and her going off on her own mission and then discovering that she is the daughter of um uh sorceress uh, the sorceress yeah mm-hmm. sorceress of grayskull uh, but by the end of the episode, they basically, as they do with a lot of these cartoons. They pulled the men in black and they wiped her. Well, well, no, what I mean is, you know, normally by the end of every cartoon, they return the show to status quo. So yeah. a, lot of, yeah. a lot of these cartoons, you can pick up any episode and basically yeah. not have to have seen the previous episode. And again, probably why they syndicated it for so long, because you could just literally just jump on any episode. And although they may probably reference things here and there there's never with a lot of these things ongoing storylines like you see nowadays um well like with revelations so like that thing there where they just undid her memory i was like that's a really big thing that they've just introduced and then complete and i'd forgotten all about this so she's the daughter of the sorceress and that's just just completely brushed under the uh, you know the rug and he-man goes completely along with it yeah yeah no worries i won't tell her blah blah, blah whatever and it rides off on battle cat and I, I was like i was fairly enraged to be honest i was just <laughs> like you've, you've just given sort of the main female lead a really good backstory and then you just like completely undone it yeah yeah to be honest with you i think it was something they probably introduced too early in in the 1983 series they probably should have introduced maybe they should have teased it a little bit more mm-hmm. and then brought, and then brought it out like i don't know in episode 30 or something but then spent time exploring it but i know i know in these sort of 80s cartoons they never really used to do too much ongoing story i no. know I, I remember thundercats had some ongoing elements but it was all like you had the overarching theme like you knew skeletor was always trying to get this sort of power and yada 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 but like it was never never what we have now like they told very serialized things like you said you could jump in at any point and be fine cartoons definitely got better though as they went on in terms of ongoing stories i definitely would say that like even even the new adventures of he-man which came out in the 90s like that had an ongoing story and had a had an actual end where skeletal flies off into space when this show ends he-man the master of the universe it's just a normal episode there's no real big thing that happens so when i watched Mm -hmm. the finale i was like Okay, just ends. Just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know that. Lot, so, I, so I know in that last episode, he believes that he's killed someone, 
and throws the sword down the cliff like a cliff. Um, and I was like, oh wow, is this how it ends? I was like, kind of like He-Man just decides to quit being He-Man, but he in the end um they uncover that Skeletor tricked him and he didn't really kill someone and, and gets his sword back and kind of jumps back into action. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I kind of <laughs> I, I, no, but I kind of thought because obviously I knew that the, I deliberately watched these before I started watching Revelations, and I knew that Revelations was a follow-on from the 83 series. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so is this how it's gonna pick back up? He 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 finds out that it was a trick or something, but no, it doesn't it doesn't really I know it's meant to be a follow-on. Um I guess it's almost like a follow-on, but not really. Because yeah. it, you know, like you just said about the very first 83 series, you just get dropped straight into it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of they take the same thing there. So um yeah, I, overall I'm kind of glad to rewatch these older shows. Yeah, it's it's a totally different perspective now that I'm older. Plus, like I mean, obviously, like, I still watch anime. So animation is a thing that I still continue to watch to this day. So, Mm. like, watching the evolution of animation has been so interesting. Like, the older I get and going back and watching all of these things. Like, another thing we talked about before we started recording was, like, the bumbling idiot trope. Um, And I just felt like (laughs) watching the 1983 original He-Man it was so wild. You had so many characters that kind of had that Dudley Do-Right feel like bumbling idiots. The, the good guys were all really clumsy and just really slow on the uptake. All the villains are super nasally, which I thought was an interesting like intonation for the villains to have. And all of the women were ridiculously breathy. It was just, it's so, to me, it's so funny to just compare what that what was the norm back then to the the kind of stuff that we have now and it's i mean they're not even in the same universe i think preparing for this episode watching some of the 83 series some of the 90 series and then some of the 2002 series like Mm -hmm. seeing the evolution of animation and then before we jump into the 2021 series the evolution of animation has just been so incredible to see but also the animation of storytelling in general like you can see that they're as as the shows are going on they're not treating children like idiots so in the 83 in the 83 series they're definitely writing it for yes for a very young audience Uh but they're right so i think in some parts they're writing it for them but then in some parts they're writing it slightly above them yeah but generally it is kind of aimed at somewhere between five and ten um and it's not really caring too much if it's more towards the five part (laughs) yeah so and then he-man the new adventures the new adventures he-man sorry is i would probably say again five to ten maybe a little bit more sort of eight to twelve maybe they're kind of jumping on that there but it's still not but the 2002 series that, I mean, me and you watched that. Like, oh, well, we didn't watch it all, but I watched the first three episodes. Yeah, and you but, were, but for us, it was you, very easy to keep going. It was, yeah, it was. So you yeah. watched, you literally said you couldn't stop watching it and carried on watching the first six episodes. Yeah. And, and I said I felt the same. Like, I only finished um, the third episode today, like, this afternoon. So I obviously didn't, I didn't carry on. But I would love to carry on. And I think it's a shame it was only two seasons. But then all of them are only two seasons. So yeah. um, it, it definitely, the, the the latest 2000, well, the latest before Revelations had a lot more appeal to it. So yeah. And I think that's a that's probably one of the biggest glaring differences between all of the previous ones and Revelations. 
there were a couple of jokes in Revelations that I was like, these are adult jokes. Almost in the way that Pixar movies always make adult jokes, but even if you're a kid, you can still kind of enjoy the film, even if you don't get the jokes. And and you can definitely see that that is sort of a theme that this new He-Man Masters of the Universe kind of takes on. It's Because there was one, one scene where uh, Tila and Evelyn are talking to each other and uh, uh, Tila is basically like, so you mean to tell me you followed Skeletor all these years because you had a crush on him or something like that? And uh, Evelyn is like, well, I'm not the only one still carrying a torch. And I was like, <laughs> kids wouldn't get that like if i were a kid if i was five like i don't know what the hell carrying a torch means but like as an adult it was kind of like oh yeah i get that i tell her you tell her evelyn um that's a bit like what they do with the simpsons because they write simpsons yeah. for two audiences they write with simpsons for children okay. and for adults so like adults can watch the simpsons and get jokes like i remember like watching an episode of the simpsons where they were kind of doing like an aliens homage in and um Oh, I forgot the name of the dog in The Simpsons. What's this called? Uh, I think it was like Snow Skinner? or Snow. No, Skinner's the headmaster. Like oh. the dog um, is like, oh, it's going to annoy me now. Like Anyway, <laughs> there's an episode where the dog gets into the air vents at the school and he's like really running quickly like around and it's like an alien's homage. So mm. for the kids, it's just the dog in the air vents. But when I remember watching it, I was like, this is aliens like, and, uh, and, and but there's loads of things like that like um where there, there's this little little things here and there i think there was um from memory oh, there's like some sort of basic instinct homage you know the whole the cross yeah. and the legs thing and like but no kid was gonna get that i remember there was some episode like that and then uh but obviously an adult seeing that straight away gets it and yeah. that's and that's kind of i mean obviously this 2002 he-man's not written like that like you know yeah. there's no there's no basic instinct or um aliens things in here but like you say there's the the um the script has definitely been improved upon from the previous mm-hmm. so yeah uh, it is not as innocent it is a little bit more violent um and then of course it still doesn't compare to the level of adult that is in the new netflix revelations one so should we segue over into revelations now heck yeah all right so we're taking a look at masters of the universe revelations part one five episodes on netflix um based on obviously he-man and the masters of the universe which was from mattel this series was developed by kevin smith you may have heard of him um, it was directed by Adam Honoro and Patrick Stannard. It stars Chris Wood as Prince Adam slash He-Man, Mark Hamill as Skeletor, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Tila, Liam Cunningham as Duncan, Master at Arms, Lena Headey as Evil Lynn, Tiffany Smith as Andra, and Alan Oppenheimer as Mossman. And Mark, where would they recognize Alan Oppenheimer from? Uh, he is the bridge as Kevin Smith said in the Revelations uh, making of movie, uh, not movie, episode that's on Netflix, he is the bridge between the 83 series and the 2021 series. So he was the voice of Skeletor. So, yeah. and I want to say a, a sweet thing. So there's um, uh, he, he is on the making of, they have a brief moment where they're interviewing him and talking about it. And uh, so he actually, there's a couple of things actually he said, which was quite interesting to me that he, introduced the laugh of Skeletor as um he said it was like a bridge between things he says 
a skeletal says so he'll make a line have a little cackle have a line etc and he kind of introduced it as a, as a bridge between things he says mm-hmm. and um and somebody one of the producers at the time said whatever that was keep doing it like keep doing <laughs> that laugh like we love that laugh but one of the sweet things he talked about was and obviously uh trigger warning for things like suicide here um he talked about those messages that they have at the end of the episode and he said how one day he was out and I'm not sure where he was, but um, a parent took his kids over and basically they talked along the lines of the, the seven-year-old had had thoughts of suicide and how the messages at the end had actually really driven him to more, to, to live. And um, so uh, Alan actually got a little bit emotional on the, uh, the making of the revelations show. I thought that was actually really sweet. And it yeah. was actually, and actually comes back to those messages at the end of episodes, like, those things are not there anymore. Nope. Like, and I don't think they'll ever come back. Like, no. in honesty, we but, are far too cynical of a society now for that to come back. <laughs> but maybe kids would need things like that. So, I mean, like, I know. thought, like, I was shocked when when that came up at the end of the first episode that I watched, and I was like, "Oh my god, does this happen with every episode? This is awesome!" Yeah, every episode, every episode yeah. they have that. Yeah, every episode they have a message. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember that, like I say, I remember as a kid the messages, and the only one I actually remember was the whole Earth being in danger thing. Um, <laughs> so that must have sat with me. That must have sat. I think. I, well, maybe you were was... panicked because you were like, "Oh shit, Earth, we're in trouble. We're in trouble." No, I, I actually remember thinking that it was the other way around. I actually thought why have they put this at the end like it's a cartoon <laughs> like, it's a car- like i remember like thinking like clearly people don't need to be told that but maybe somebody did maybe someone needed to know like maybe. there's a cartoon let's talk let's move back to master of the universe so revelations let's let's just start with yeah the, let's get uh, the bullshit out of the way because let's my start God, with the elephant boys. in the room let's start with the elephant in the room so five episodes of he-man the trailer yeah. was very clever and by the way when i say this i'm not going on either side at the moment um the trevor the trailer was very clever in that it led you to believe it was a he-man show now i'm not saying that it's not a he-man show but it was very clever in um luring you into a false sense of security which is fine because in the first episode he-man is killed off and i was like no 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 like he must be back (laughs) at the end he must be back at the end of this episode or the next episode something like that Nope, he don't come back. He don't come back to episode five. So although we see flashes of him and memories um, throughout the, uh, the in-between episodes, this is not a He-Man show. This is a He-Man show on the front. Yes. It's a He-Man show in terms of legacy and world building and, and stuff like that. Now, this is part one. Uh, yes, so... thank you. This was always touted as part one. There was yeah. never any confusion when they before they ever released a trailer, when they announced the series, they said part one, five episodes drops first. And mm. Kevin Smith has already said that they are they're done scripting episode 10 and they are done animating episode eight. So we are not too far away from part two. So what's happened is <laughs> <laughs> what's happened is people have gotten in their feelings and by people, I mean, fanboys. And basically, they're like, "This is not a He-Man show." So, so let's just—I'm just bringing up Rotten Tomatoes to start with. <laughs> Average audience score is at thirty-six percent. The Yikes. bucket is falling over. Yikes! So, however, critics have been behind this show. 
not too much audience speculation. It has been bombed, basically, by uh, unfortunate fanboys who have not liked the show. So not at the moment, I'm not jumping into my opinion here. I'm just stating what the facts are. So, yep. so basically, fanboys, maybe fangirls, I don't know, people human beings have bombed the the site so the reaction to this has been fairly negative by fanboys and potentially girls i don't know about the girl bit um so <laughs> they, the, i just want to include everybody and um so like it could be all all fanboy yeah. and girl you know there are plenty of people can be terrible men yeah. women you can all be terrible it's fine yeah 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 so anyway um the reason for this is due to the lack of He-Man in said He-Man Part 1 show. So, obviously, it's difficult to make an assessment on an entire show when you split it into two parts. Now, I do have a thought on that, and that is Netflix could have really done with maybe dropping the second part fairly quickly after Part 1, mm-hmm. or at least saying when Part 2 is going to come out, a bit like they do with everything. Um, they say a rough period of time so but at the moment we don't even know when part two is coming out right so no clue and i and sometimes i you know do you know what would have been awesome is if they'd have dropped part one say like last week or whatever and then part two like a week later that i think would have been cool yeah. So, or even with the opinion. In Dune Chronicles, which they did something very similar where they did a part one and a part two, but they told you when part two was coming out, like you knew that it was going to be five months later. Mm. There's nothing so, at the moment. So, right. anyway, so the fanboy reaction is due to the lack of He-Man. However, I don't know what different people's opinions are. So I think it's down to two things. It's one, because of if you look at the tra- said trailer, it was giving you the assumption that it was a He-Man or and Skeletor sort of rivalry show. Mm-hmm. Now, so that rea- is the reaction because He-Man's not really in it, or is it reaction because it's a what becomes the female-led show in the terms of Tila takes on essentially the lead character role. So it could be a combination of both. People just peed off that they've got into a show expecting He-Man and they actually have the massive le- lack of He-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, it could be people that just don't like a female-led show. I, I don't know what people's thoughts are. I think it's are. probably a little bit of both. So Kevin Smith has never been one to shy away from giving his opinion. So he he's released a statement, and I'm going to kind of read this here so uh he said i know what a fan he said i know what a fan base reacts like when they don't get the thing they grew up watching you think i'm gonna for be the full guy for that if i'm involved in the thing it's going to be true to what it is it's going to be true to the franchise so i like i believe that people are only seeing part one here and not overall picture so anyway he goes on to say i know there's some people that are like hey man <laughs> this show's woke <laughs> oh my uh, god let me carry on and then he goes um i'm like all right great so was the original cartoon we're effing sequelizing go watch it again there are girls in every episode deal with it anybody that's like oh man <laughs> There's not enough He-Man or something like that. <laughs> Don't understand the show that he based it on. There were episodes where he lost the sword and never became He-Man. He wasn't He-Man. Or, it wasn't like He-Man always saved the day. His friends helped him, and that was the effing point of the show. Now, actually, what is the show called? Even in the 83 series, it was called He-Man and the Masters, Masters of the Universe. Of the Masters universe. of the Universe. This show is just called Masters of the Universe, and 
that was the whole point was it's he-man and the masters of the universe it's about his friends and his family and all that they are the masters of the universe he it's not he-man masters or the master of the universe Mm -hmm. it's he-man and the masters of the universe and he is right so to go back to what we said about the 83 series how the episode was very teela centric yes he-man does follow her along on the journey from behind and comes in at the end yeah but that was a whole episode dedicated to teela her backstory and yes okay i disagree with how that that episode showed up uh, ended but i equally think that show is kind of almost so that particular episode i really feel actually was the foundation of these five episodes right um but they now, they though, were trying to show you that teela was far 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 better uh, like a better warrior and fighter and just like all around had a better head on her shoulders than prince adam did like that that is the freaking point like that mm. that was that was a whole, oh, it just, it's so frustrating that they just kind of, oh, He-Man. Oh, shut up. <laughs> so to jump into my thoughts on these five episodes in terms of the lack of He-Man. Now, unfortunately, before I pick this up, before I, before I put it on, I'd started to hear controversy. I hadn't heard too much, but I heard a bit. And I didn't, and I was trying to, I wasn't deliberately not clicking on any articles, but yeah. I but I had seen a few comments about it being a woman and stuff like that. Like, and I was just like, what does that mean? Like, what's that, what are they talking about? <laughs> like, and um, so when I got in and I, they killed He-Man off straight away in the first episode, you take initially you go with the assumption of, well, of course they've not killed off the main character. Like, of right. course they've not. Like, and I was like, right. okay, so they've not killed, I thought they've not killed him off. And even as I watched episodes two and three and four, which had like no He-Man in it other than flashbacks, I felt like at some point he was going to come back. So when they start on the journey to, to get the sword and build the sword and, and, and kind of return the magic, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I thought, well, clearly He-Man's going to come back at some point. This is leading to his return. Yes. Um, and I thought also you've killed off Skeletor. There's no way you've killed off Skeletor and, and He-Man. He-Man. And, yeah, so I thought, uh, so uh, really, although they'd created an element of opposition through Revelations, that it's not skeletal like or it wasn't a big enough bad i know they created this whole i'm sort of joking here like machine empire type thing yeah. um like, i forget his name the guy with the spinning eye forehead thing like um Triclops. So, yeah yeah that's it yeah <laughs> it, to me he had no scare factor it was like a joke villain it was yeah, kind of like the bumbling idiot thing yes like so yes. but again you know they, they're kind of playing on the on the original formula of bumbling idiot villains yes um so i thought there's no way you've got rid of skeletor and he-man just no, no there's just no way like you don't that, have a that, show without them no so i mean it's not called teeter of the master of the universe and um but i actually did not mind that teeter was the center of the show yeah i may you know maybe may have helped if maybe we'd have had a longer first episode with he-man before we jumped into a teeter centric show i actually really enjoyed the teeter centric show like i was quite on board of it and again like i say especially having watched that 83 episode where teeter we now know that she is the daughter of um the sorceress right and you could see throughout this series they kept hinting at her having a bigger purpose i was like i'm so glad i watched this because i bet a lot of people didn't watch that 83 show and yeah. uh, all that particular episode so i was like this is this is pretty cool to see the linking here between the two and i mean kevin smith obviously clever man here so um anyway 
I, what are your thoughts on on sort of the fan reaction and and just and actually the fact that they did tease it in the trailer but then kind of gave you a different show because actually a lot of the time it's the opposite they show you actually too much in the trailer so yeah. this is one where the show uh, and the trailer were very different yeah well i would uh go back to 1996 and scream and how they promoted drew barrymore to be like the face of that film and she was literally in the movie for five minutes before she got killed off um as far as the fan reaction, oh, i mean deep space deep um deep blue sea samuel jackson yeah uh, you know so eight eight minutes uh yeah like it it i i think it's ridiculous also though not not like i'm agreeing with the fanboys because i don't i think they should just get over themselves people don't have to do this kind of stuff for you i think storytellers and showrunners and directors they're telling their story they are not like i don't think it's their job to just provide fan service i think if they've got a story to tell it's their job to tell the story that they wanted to tell and and how the audience reacts to it is you know it's not always in their control so i the whole like oh it's a show about girls shut up so that's my that's my reaction to the fan reaction but I also don't understand why we had to have a part one and a part two. If if, if they were going to do this, why didn't we just wait another six months and get 10 episodes and have one season? I imagine it's to do with Netflix wanting content out regularly. So, but also we'll talk about the end as we come to the end, but having that cliffhanger and having a break has yeah. more of a gut punch to it. So... I can understand putting a break, but I de- definitely think there shouldn't be this kind of break. There should not be the six to 12 yeah. month break that we're probably going to get. Like, yeah, no, I, uh, I really kind of like the way they did Fear Street, where they did one, they did three films, one movie a week. So they all, it, so it's a trilogy, but they all came out within a week of each other. Mm. No, I like, thought that was quite cool. That's very not Netflix. Right. So I just don't understand. I don't understand their obsession with this whole splitting a first season. I, I think that is never necessary. They're like, only doing that with the animated stuff, though, really. But it, it's even less necessary for animated stuff because the episodes are under thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't understand their reasoning. I also really feel like five episodes is not enough for you to get a good grip on anything. Now I know Castlevania, the first season is four or five episodes, but you knew that that was one season, so you knew that you were going to be waiting a while. They they shortened the season for whatever reason and then when they came back we got longer seasons so i but again the this five episode thing for 20 to 30 minutes of content i don't feel like that's necessary i think netflix could just push it give us 10 episodes and call it a season and not split things into parts if they wanted to split i would think they should have put maybe a week or two between it just like like or even a month or would- two it, but, it would have been cool to have, a date when the next part is available. Like, do you know what would have been cool is like to say, you know, I don't know, 30th of July drop, um, uh, drop part one and then 30th of August drop part two. You know, like mm-hmm. I get, I get it during August, TV numbers drop everywhere because people are out, like, but that would have been cool because that would have given a, a definite break. And then when people returned a month later, but anyway. What do we know? We don't run a TV network. Yeah. So, <laughs> or a streaming service. Yeah, or a streaming service. We're not in charge. No, we're, we just pay for them, though. 
Yeah, we just yeah, we just support them. <laughs> I get I get the principle of not putting fans in charge of running shows. Yeah, but you know, um, because although I'm sure Kevin Smith is a fan, but he also is a creator. So yeah. anyway, let's kind of break down the characters a little bit. So we've already talked about Skeletor, who in the original is now Moss Man. Um, but there's so many big names in this show. So like, you know, even um Kevin Conroy is like in two episodes of this show so um chris wood though like as prince adam and he-man uh so when in the making of it it's quite funny that kevin smith interviews chris wood and he said have you ever been killed off in a show like this before and he went well no i've definitely never been killed off in a pilot like, so, <laughs> like, uh, so, um so i thought that was pretty cool chris yeah. was a pretty likable character who is married to everyone's favorite supergirl in real life uh i i've always quite liked i mean i've never met chris wood or melissa <laughs> benoist but they come across as fairly likable people to me so when yeah. when he was being interviewed i thought he seems like a really nice bloke and um and I'm sure getting someone like Chris Wood, he's not going to be in around for two episodes. But yeah, getting killed off potentially twice. So I thought though, when they brought He Man back in the sort of heaven version of Eternia, yeah. Um, and I thought the fact that they've said to him when he leaves heaven or the heavens version of Eternia, um, ain't no coming back, man. Like, there ain't no coming back. So basically, you die, you die, like yeah. now. So, and that's what I thought was quite a good setup for when he does end episode five on the floor with blood coming out of him i was like no way and i love i love that <laughs> moment though like when and this is again what the fans have been wanting for five episodes is he man to grab that sword and to put it in the air and say for the power of grayskull yeah and then as he's saying it i literally can believe suddenly he stopped speaking and then there's like suddenly a massive stick through his belly and yeah and then and skeletal's standing there and i was like They've done it again. Yeah. I was like, they've literally, they've literally pulled the rug from. How do you kill this man off in his own series twice? But also, like, the fans must have been going nuts. No wonder they were like going eight shit. Like, they yeah. probably were like, finally, He Man's here. Oh, they just killed him again. It's like they clearly have not killed him. This is a Dewey, the Dewey death, you know, from Scream. Yes. Like, you know, like this is like one of those deaths in episode six. He'll be fine. You'll be all right. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? Maybe he won't be fine in episode six. Maybe by it, maybe it's again five episodes that he's not in. Maybe he comes back in episode 10. Like, you know, um, maybe, maybe Tila's got to save the day again. So maybe, maybe, maybe Tila's got to grab that sword. So, but any money though, by, by episode 10 of part two, that He-Man will be He-Man. Like I'll complete, put money on it. So. Yeah. But also like his body stayed behind this time. So I think, I, I mean, I think they're just going to heal him. Like they're going to take mm. him to the sorceress. She's going to find, even though she gave her magic to Evelyn, like she's going to find another way to, heal him and the next part is literally oh, going to maybe be them chasing be, Skeletor maybe but Kevin that. Smith has also promised that people are going to get their He-Man Skeletor battle so we're going to get maybe, a knockdown drag out fight I am confident of that maybe actually let's talk about Evelyn so maybe because I was going to say maybe Evelyn will step in so one of the things I really liked about this show was Nina Headley uh, and again in the making of they make a joke with her about uh, this been all new to her being in castles and things like magic and dragon. And she was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Like this is all brand new territory for me. Yeah. So um, I did not realize it was her. I'll be honest with you the whole time. I kept thinking, I recognize this voice. I recognize this voice. I was like, doing my head in. I can't think who she is. And then I, I didn't look it up, I put the making of on and I was like, Oh, it's, 
Lena Headley. You know, every time I hear, I don't think of her as Circe very often. I always think of her as the queen from 300. (laughs) You know, I watched the first season of the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and that was the first time I ever saw her in anything. So have you ever seen that? No. Okay, so it's a Terminator TV series. Yes, I, I didn't know, watch but it. I never, yeah. Oh, okay, so the first season um, I watched, I did not watch the second season, not because I didn't want to do just, I mean, not because I didn't like it, sorry. I just, life happened. And um, probably that's why it got cancelled. It only went on for two seasons. Probably other yeah, people shit, Look what you it. did, Mark. Yeah, it wasn't just me it cancelled. <laughs> so yeah, that one number would have put it over the line. So, like, can you imagine that if it literally did get cancelled because of one person? Right, so. <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrendous. <laughs> um, anyway, but I loved the I loved Evil Lynn throughout this show. Like yeah. I love the fact that Evil Lynn t- um, teamed up with the sorceress and Tila. Tila and Evil Lynn form this sort of buddy relationship, even to the point where they're joking about their names, and she ends up Tila's calling her Lynn and things like that. And and it was like really cool just to see the whole team up thing. And um, at the end, unfortunately, when she decided to side with Skeletor and she said I was just beginning to like you kids yeah I was disappointed I've got to yes. say so I'm hoping that this is where you said a minute ago about the sorcerer saving He-Man I'm actually hoping that Evil Lynn is gonna save He-Man I I hope there's some sort of thing in that that maybe she's come around to being good yeah so which would really change the dynamic of 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 the Master of the Universe franchise in general if if uh, Evil Lynn is is kind of the yeah. good guy now like. but i also like that she acknowledged it like there's a point where there it's evil in um andra and tila they're walking through the woods to get somewhere and that they're talking to each other and evil in is like you know i just can't believe that i spent all this time chasing uh or supporting skeletor when i could have taken over everything myself like Probably. she's just she's just so like open and honest about like I can't believe I wasted all this time when I could have been ruling all this shit by myself <laughs> all these years like um but also like she was completely shocked at the end when Skeletor popped out of her staff like so he put himself in that staff and she didn't realize it so I thought mm. that was really interesting and I'm wondering if if that feeling of betrayal is going to be sort of the catalyst for her to either betray Skeletor and stay bad or to sort of move over and sort of like a character like loki like, like are mystique, you bad I was are you good of, yeah i was like, thinking about mystique from the x-men is it going to be a bit like that so mm-hmm. yeah like yeah like uh she wakes up one day and she's good wakes up tomorrow and she's i guess good until there's a reason for her to not be but like yeah. it's kind of that's how mystique always plays it and loki always plays it the same like you say mm-hmm. they're kind of they're good when they need to be good and bad when they need to be bad and yeah. I, I i think they sort of they're good up until the point where it serves them to be bad. Like, yeah. I, I, maybe she might be more that way. So, because she still has her own minion, like, Beastman uh, mm. is still sort of her little protector. Not that she needs protecting, but um, that would be interesting, actually. I think if it, if it played out in such a way that she stayed quote unquote bad, but she was the one to bring Skeletor down. So then she becomes the new villain. Not that Skeletor goes away but she would sort of become the new threat. Um, that, that would be really interesting. Mm, yeah, that no, would be. Um, so like you say, there was the combination between Evil Lynn, um, Andra, and Tila. So let's talk about Andra first. And actually, Andra, for me, was a brilliant character. So they, I don't really know much about Andra, but apparently she had like uh, one 
she wasn't even in the cartoon series, but, but um, Tiffany Smith, who was in the documentary thing that they had on Netflix, she said there wasn't much to go on. She mm-hmm. apparently was in one issue of one He-Man comic or something like that. Yeah. So she said it gave her a lot more to play with in terms of character building. But I, I loved Andra. So Andra was meant to be the point of view character for the, for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so to witness. So she comes in, obviously, in episode two. And Andra is um, like Randy. <laughs> Like yeah 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 because she's the one that makes really out of place jokes like she's she's not quite meta like she doesn't get that like she's not that in tune but she definitely makes a lot of jokes and i'm like that really doesn't fit this time period but it's kind of funny that you said that anyway well she's kind of like the comic commentary commentary and like oh i can't believe that's happened or whatever she's the chatterbox yeah 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 so i loved her i thought you know i'm not doing favorite characters this week but but she would be up there definitely as one of my favorites yeah um so let's talk about the woman herself tila so played by michelle sarah michelle geller playing tila so tila i've got a lot of love for tila anyway especially like with the movie and Mm -hmm. And then having rewatched that 83 series, but equally I've got a love, a lot of love for Sarah Michelle Geller. I was mm-hmm. a big Buffy fan, um, Crawling Intentions fan, you know, she's been in a few other things, but those are probably my two big things with Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, oh, she was in Ringer on the CW as well. So I loved Ringer too. Like, it was a bit of a shame that got cancelled. Anyway, um, I was like quite shocked that Sarah Michelle Gellar was in this show. She was probably the biggest name for me. Well, I'd like I said, I didn't realize Lena Headley was in it. And I know she is a big name too, but when I realized Sarah Michelle Gellar was in it, I was like, flipping heck, they've got, they've got Buffy to be in He-Man. I was like, wow. And so she's a woman who's experienced in playing these sort of badass females. And I mean, even she's from one side to the other, cruel intentions. She was kind of in speech marks villain. Yeah. And, um, and then in Buffy, she was like the kick-ass sort of teen, spunky kind of, you know, well, vampire slayer. Yeah. And and to give her the role of Teela, who from episode two is like really badass, side of her head shaved, yeah. sort of rolled over and kind of decided to sort of reject the monarchy. and Right. And like uh, calls herself like the new man of arms. Yeah. Like she yeah. she's like, I thought Sarah Michelle get a, voice acting is obviously very different to physical but in the um actually in the documentary they she talks about how she filmed the first episode in the studio but the rest of the other four episodes she filmed at home and mm-hmm. her husband who we'll all know uh big prince big, heart, big heartthrob there pretty Pr- prince jr he created a studio for her at home he soundproofed a room for her um and she said that when she was getting really into it, doing the voice acting, she was kind of like shouting and punching and mm-hmm. like punching the air and all this kind of thing. She said at one point she got so loud that all her kids ran up upstairs <laughs> to see what on earth was going on. So I thought that was quite cool as well. So it was good. It's cool to hear about the enthusiasm. So like, they're not just talking into a mic like, hi, I'm Tila. Um, yeah. But they're yeah. actually like, I imagine like when I have seen recordings of voice actors, they tend to be standing. So I can imagine her, like actually throwing her fists around and yeah. things like that. So well, you know, yeah. her husband does a lot of voiceover work too. He does a lot of video game work. Um, so he's I'm sure he was probably there to like cheer her on and like help her through that. He probably process. he probably used a studio for himself then. Like yeah. so, um how many people now have got studios at home or offices at uh, home? If you're doing thing? voiceover work, I'm sure everybody at this point. Yeah. They're not gonna need studios anymore. So um 
but you yeah, know, I, I loved I loved the whole story run of of Tila. So as Tila's going throughout episodes one to, to five, and like I say before, I went in, I heard about the. Like I said, I didn't hear about it all. I heard just a few mentions about it's a woman, it's a woman. And like I think what people were probably trying to say is it's a woman that's the center of the show. Mm-hmm. And um that doesn't bother me like at all. I love female-led stuff. Like I know there's a lot of shit about Captain Marvel and things like that. I mean, I love that movie. Like yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Like I, I loved um Jessica Alba's Dark Angel when that came out in the early 2000s and I, I've always been quite down with watching lead female stuff like if, as long as it's done well I don't you know I don't want it to be um I don't think they do it now but you know like where it's all I don't know sexy clothing and you know just geometry but they stuck a female in the lead I don't want to watch any of that stuff but like if it's an intelligent female kick-ass spunky character like you know because they always have like if you know you look at like the supernatural Jensen and all that if they're allowed to get away with doing all that shit like women should be allowed to do all that shit too so yeah exactly um so I, I that's why I've loved things like Buffy and Dark Angel and actually do you know what? I don't think there's enough of it even currently right now I know Jessica Jones oh, honestly that was amazing so seeing her just the Jessica Jones character just the spunkiness and the, the not giving a crap like yeah. and some of her lines in that show are so good so seeing Sarah Michelle get a actually embrace this sort of really badass version of Tila. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. But, but so the bonding between her and Man at Arms, the the sort of father and yeah. daughter. Now now Man at Arms, as we know, and they didn't really go into it in this show, but isn't actually her biological father, but an adopted father. Right. And to see that bond between them was really cool. So Man at Arms actually is played by Liam Cunningham, also a um Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones alum. Yeah, yeah. So Sir Davos. So they never acted any of those scenes together. We're never in the same room when they did those sort of father-daughter moments, which is actually, that must be quite difficult to do the emotional moment without your partner in the same room as you. So, I mean, props to them in terms of acting, though, don't you think? So Yeah, I mean, I think it's easier for voice actors because they're used to doing that kind of thing. But for, you know, actors that don't tend to do too much voice work, I imagine it's got to be, it's got to be, something to work yourself into at first mm. for sure yeah i i i love sarah michelle geller i had issue like i just felt like her voice was so high like and and not that's it's not her fault like that's just her natural intonation and her natural speaking voice but like that looking at tila and hearing sarah michelle geller's voice come out of tila's body i was like this this doesn't match for me uh, no i would probably say because I could hear it with Sarah Michelle Gellar, that was the one thing that took me out. Where mm. when I what when I everybody else, I mean, even Mark Hamill was skeletal. You couldn't tell it was Mark Hamill was skeletal. But then that's his experience with voice acting, where Sarah Michelle Gellar doesn't have the same level of experience yeah. with voice acting. So I can understand why she's done it. Probably as a bit of a probably to get away from. She, well, she's not really getting that much in terms of work, is she? So um i imagine that the voice acting was a good segue to keep mm-hmm. doing the work um i mean if you look at i was thinking about this actually like mark hamill and when he was on the documentary and kevin smith introduced him he introduces him on the documentary as everyone's favorite jedi and i just thought nope like why <laughs> have you why have you done that like it's like it's like when you see the friends actors getting interviewed about something else and they say oh 
And whilst you're here, can I just ask you about this thing on Friends? Well, and you can see their eyes rolling. Like, I don't want to talk about Friends. Yeah. Like, however, Mark Hamill took it very well uh, in terms of actually when they said about the Jedi. Kevin Smith um, asked him about how does he feel to play, say, Luke Skywalker, who's a goody-goody, versus playing people like the Joker and Skeletor. Uh, yeah. and, Skeletor. and he... He again handled it very well. There was no eye rolling. He didn't go, come on, man. Like, so I think Mark Hamill actually was a good spirit and he jumped straight into actually his preference is the Joker and yeah. Skeletor. Like he said, I prefer to play the bad guys. Like, so um, but when when I was watching um sort of talk, obviously talk about Skeletor now, I don't know about what your thoughts are, but I actually thought you couldn't tell it was Mark Hamill. I honestly couldn't tell it was him. I knew he was in it, I knew it was him, yeah, but I just couldn't tell it was him. Like, I, I mean, did, he played I it so say well. I could definitely hear him, um, but I probably have heard a lot more Mark Hamill as not Luke Skywalker. <laughs> so yeah. it's it, I, I don't think that he can hide it. Yeah, I think I, like he always sounds like himself to me. But at the same time, I'm never watching those characters and thinking, oh, that's Mark Hamill doing a voice. Like, I think he still fully embodies the characters, but because I love his voice acting so much, I, I can peg him like in, I mean, I can pick him out. So yeah, I knew it was him and it never went away for me, but like that didn't take anything away from watching it. Okay. So let's stop talking about the characters now. Um, do you have any, from those five episodes, any favorite scenes or moments or anything like that? Oh, favorite scene. Um, Honestly, one of my favorite scenes was the one that we talked about before with just, and I think it happened in the second episode because they're headed to the village to find Man-at-Arms and it's between Evelyn, Andra, and Tila. They're just kind of walking through the woods and literally just like having conversations about why they're doing what they're doing and how they're trying to make this tentative quote unquote, not friendship, but not like antagonistic thing work. Um, and I just, I just loved that. I loved women on screen, not necessarily kicking ass, just like being. Um, so I really, I really just kind of enjoyed those moments with, with them. I loved just, I think again, the three of them teaming up Mm -hmm. together actually and seeing the adventure between, between the three of them. And then I think I said it as well, like the moment where evil Lynn, and Tila are kind of talking about the names mm-hmm. and, and that. I did also enjoy Tila bonding with Man at Arms and just yeah. there's several there's several moments. She gets angry with him when she first sees him, doesn't want to go see him. But then towards the end of the show, she's they're sort of really embracing each other as father and daughter. I thought that was cool. But one of my favorite sort of shock moments is when um the staff thing is getting thrown at Evil Lynn and Cringer jumps out of nowhere and grabs the staff. Yeah. And I was like, what the shit? Yeah. I was just like, okay, what's going on? Like, why, 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 why is Cringer, <laughs> why is Cringer helping Evil Lynn? I was yeah. like, 
And then suddenly you suddenly got this off, this whole fill-in. And actually, I did like the fact that Cringer got a little bit more characterization as well. And mm-hmm. he was talking about how Tila called him Cringer. And really, a lot of it is connected with Tila, I have to say, yeah. the last five things. Oh, uh, you know, another favorite scene I had was actually with Evil Lynn and Orca when, when they get separated, oh, when they go to hell. I love that too. Yeah. yeah. And they're both in like Orca's home, home world or home realm. And they have to work together to fight the shadow monster in that realm. And, or- yeah, and Orca. Yeah potentially he's dead like yeah i mean again i don't believe he is i'm sorry i just don't i don't believe they killed yeah. any of your main characters i just don't see it like so but i did love that as well yeah i thought and actually you could see that evil then got a little bit upset by that as well mm-hmm. so um but do you know what one particular thing i didn't really like was in episode five that whole in heaven thing i just felt it was unnecessary to kind of most of the episode was spent in heaven yeah and just seeing sort of he-man riding around and they were sort of racing doing all this silly stuff and i was a bit like it's not really necessary so (laughs) um well i don't know and again when they were in heaven though i did like all the other he-men Yes. that were in there like as well like grayskull the first ever he-man when grayskull was called after it but there's a character called Hero. Like, I don't know if you realized. <laughs> did you do you remember Hero? Who was no, in I five? don't. I don't. But, so Hero was the guy that was covered in gold, like the chest plate with the big H. Okay. Uh, you know who I'm talking about now. So he was potentially going to have his own line of toys um, oh. and potentially a spin-off. And so they were considering in 1987 um, creating a prequel TV series for Hero. Um, set in Preternia, uh, which was going to follow a historic character of Hero and had a whole toy line. But anyway, it got scrapped and never happened. So when I saw Hero was in episode five, I was like, finally, Hero gets his day. Like, <laughs> finally brought Hero in. I didn't like the whole episode. I didn't like that episode that much. I didn't enjoy the heaven scenes too much. It felt a, li- it felt a little bit silly, um, but... It obviously served a purpose to to get He-Man back to to Earth, or to Earth, yeah. to Eternia. I um, love that wild woman up in heaven that didn't speak the same language as everybody else. That <laughs> she just kind of like throw out words, and everybody would just like look at her. It's like, who is this chick? Um, <laughs> we talked about the structure already, um, but what, any sort of thoughts on like? I know we've covered a lot about how we'd rather have the split but anything anything about the the actual structure of the five episodes that we've got um could they have done anything differently no other than giving a full 10 episodes full first season um i actually thought that the structure and the pacing worked really well um it didn't feel to me like they were ever giving too much information um and even at times it felt like okay we could have skipped that part um but Overall, I really enjoyed it. And I, I enjoyed it to the point where, you know, I actually had fun watching the older series after I had watched this one. And I think if, you know, if I didn't like the series, then it would have been even harder to go back and watch stuff that I knew was going to be subpar as far as like animation and dialogue goes. But to me, it's, it's just created like a fun new, you know, just like a, a new world to jump into. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I I think going back and watching it, I watched it the originals before I actually did make my way. I watched the 1983 one 
and then I watched the um, 1990 New Adventures one first. Then mm-hmm. I watched the uh, Revelations one. And then it's only the last day or two I've gone and watched through the first three episodes of the 2002 version. So I can definitely see the evolution of storytelling. And this story mm-hmm. was by far the strongest, this current version, over what I have already seen. Yeah. The 2002 version, though, I did seem to me to be fairly well structured and actually something I probably would enjoy. That one was pretty fun. But, I'm not going to lie. But these five episodes, I think the 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 script was definitely like high bar. Um, yeah. The conversations felt real. The sort of interactions felt very human and emotional. Uh, and actually, yeah, okay, Sarah Michelle Gellar, I think her voice does jump out as being Sarah Michelle Gellar, but I do think she handled the role of Tita fairly well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, could they have done anything differently? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the fanboys, I'm sure, would say, yeah, don't kill He-Man. But, like, okay, so let's let's just say that's never going to happen, which, you know, yeah. Kevin, there's, there's no there's no world where Kevin Smith wasn't going to do this because he had an overall plan. Yes. Um, uh, the only, or I probably would say, is like we said earlier, probably would have put that part two closer to part one. Yeah. But in terms of the five episodes we got, I did think they were really well structured. I think the pacing was really cool. I did enjoy the sort of adventure style thing and actually the break away from what we'd seen in actually the first three interpretations of He-Man. Yeah. I actually thought it was going to drag a little bit when they finally went to hell and kind of all got split up into different sort of illusions. Um, I was like, oh, great. Now we're going to get now we're going to get all this boring stuff. But the way that they split everyone up, Tila obviously was by herself. Uh, you had Evelyn with Orca, and then you had Andra and Beastman and the Mecha. Is he Mecha Neck? I can't remember who he was, no. but the the Mecha robot that Man at Arms had created. Um, it just like it, it turned out to be a very interesting dynamic, and I feel like even though it was only five episodes, we actually got to spend a lot of time with those characters. To the point where, you know, I mean, I'm just, I don't know, like, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. And I'm, I'm just, just enjoying it, you know? I'd be I'm quite on board. I'd be quite on board with a Tila spinoff, actually. But, um, so animation, we've, we've touched on this, actually, as we've been going, but the animation is by far the strongest. And I know it's from the same studio as... <laughs> Castlevania. <laughs> so, Powerhouse animation. Give them their roses. They are doing a great job. You could tell it was Castlevania, I thought. Um, it felt very similar style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, they, I, yeah, they do again, a good mix of like the 2D flat characters, but with the sort of depth dimension element that makes them not quite 3D. Um, so just if it has that old, more old school feel to it, but without being completely flat, like old school cartoons. Let's talk about the end of the show as we bring our review to a close. So we talked about it a minute ago. Skeletor had a plan. He hid himself in Evil Lynn's staff. Mm-hmm. Evil Lynn and Tina went on an adventure to get the swords back, and there were two parts which is actually very interesting because that does tie into the 83 thing as well with the two parts, which I didn't, which I didn't realize actually that they'd even built the toy line 
with two separate, separate swords that could mm-hmm. go together. So anyway, so they go on this adventure to restore the swords, restore magic, etc. to Eternia. Da, 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 da. They kind of bring Adam back. They and Skeletor suddenly rocks up, and yeah, what? It, I'll be honest with you, completely shock ending. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really think. So they line this whole thing up that they're on this adventure to go and get He Man to no, no, not to get He Man to get the Sword of Power. He Man obviously was an added bonus. He went to go and restore the power, and I thought, okay, we're heading towards an end. And I, I kind of was obviously led into a false sense of security. And like we say, we had the guy with the the wheel neck uh eye thing um who was going to um i completely forgot his name again triclops, uh, triclops yeah but i'd completely <laughs> forgotten like i thought if anything he's going to be the kind of villain which would be a bit rubbish and that's again would have been rubbish for humans have gone up against him as the primary villain would have been yeah would have been i don't know disappointing so actually that was a quite a cool twist really for kevin smith to have actually pulled the rug from under us. So we're kind of lured into that false security. He-Man's pulling out the sword. He's going, he's all about to go for it. And Skeletor suddenly stabs him. Yeah, it was disappointing. But actually, it's kind of cool because it makes it so much stronger to come back from. Yeah. Uh, did you, Did you? well, obviously, I don't think anyone saw this coming. But, like, what do you think of that twist? Um, I really liked it because it just made me really excited about part two. And to me, like, I say this all the time. I usually am a fan of the villains more so than I am a fan of the heroes. So part of me is rooting for the bad guys. And so when Skeletor showed up, I was like, ah, you came out of nowhere. But yes, maybe the bad guys are going to win this one. Um, So now I am excited to see how these heroes figure out oh, how wrote, they're going to take down like a big bad version of Skeletor versus Skelligod. normal Skeletor. Skelligod. Skelligod. Excuse me, Skeletor. Yeah. So yeah, I'm super pumped to see what that's going to look like because that ain't going to be no easy feat. Oh yeah, that's what I think is going to be cool is part two is going to be cool. I'm, yeah. you know, Adam's on his deathbed throughout season two. Tina's got to take the mantle. Um, I don't know. There's some big plan here. Maybe, maybe Tina will embrace the powers of the sorceress. So, dun, dun, dun. do you know what I think would be cool? We get we come back. He Man saves the day. Maybe we get another season or two of He Man with Tila, etc. And Tila just gets a spin off. Just give Tila like give her her own show. Like, yeah, the Shira show sa- did really well on Netflix. I'm not saying to take away and to give fanboys the He Man show that they want, but like, but I actually think a Tila centric show would be pretty cool. Tila and Andra would be pretty awesome. So. Mm-hmm. Right, so ratings. What would you rate part one of the show? Part one, um, I'm probably going to rate it a four, actually, because I thought it did well with the setup of part two. Now, if I were rating this on a standalone thing, not knowing that there was going to be a part two, I'd probably only give it a three. But because I know part two is coming, I'm, I'm going to go four. I think, yeah, obviously the way it ended, I mean, would be annoying if it got cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that might make you affect your grade of a cancellation. But, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be happy with four. I think four is actually quite strong. I would be more keen once part five, part two drops to maybe give it like a season review. But like, Yeah, yes. like a full, an overall review of part one and part two together. But, yeah, oh, I, again, I, I say that because... I know you can't pull them like they're supposed to be standalone, but like you really can't pull a part one from a part two. Mm. Um, so, cause it's not a sequel. 
It's not like a reboot. So it is definitely a continuation, a direct continuation. So it seems hard to give it a proper rating, but yeah, definitely knowing that part two is on the way helps. Okay. So next episode is our 62nd episode. So episode 62 is going to be a banger because we're going to celebrate my birthday. Yeah. Um, we're going to celebrate my 40th, unfortunately. Woo! Big uh, 4-0! We've got two guests, me and Jasmine. They're going to be joined by Robbie from the Pop Culture Philosophers YouTube channel and occasional podcasting. And we are also going to be joined from Adam from the Go Figure YouTube channel. Uh, Adam tends to do a lot of toy repairs on his YouTube channel. Oh, and, uh, and he has done a few He-Man toys, so check them out. We will be discussing the 1987 classic Master of the Universe starring Dolph Lundgren as He-Man and <laughs> Frank Langalia as Skeletor. So uh, honestly, I'm excited. Yeah, I know you're super pumped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super pumped about that. I so. haven't watched this movie for quite a while there, <laughs> but I am. I've never seen it. I got to do my homework. I just literally can't believe that words <laughs> still come from your mouth. Like, I've only been telling you for about a year of podcasting to watch this movie. I know. But I'm glad that we've got it found a way. <laughs> I, I, so basically, I said for my 40th, we will not watch something new. We will watch something old and we will watch something from the 80s where the decade I was from. And I thought, what about no better film than Master of the Universe? <laughs> it's one of the best films ever made. Mm, let me be the judge of that. <laughs> uh, I can already tell you what, what the rating will be. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Mark, five. Five, it's five. <laughs> uh, and don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our eighth Late to the Party Book Club episode was Batman The Killing Joke by Alan Moore with art by Brian Bolland. That episode dropped at the end of July. And in August, we'll be back to nonfiction as we take a deep dive into Persepolis by Marjan Satrapi. Again, follow us on social media, Geese and Niche, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Come say hi. Come tell us how much you love He-Man. And we <laughs> will be happy to join. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast, Google Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. And if you want to drop a couple of quid in the uh, Ko-Fi coffee mug thing, uh, please do so. Yeah, we'd love for you to buy us a comic. Or coffee, however you see it. <laughs> or or uh, beer. Yeah. Anyway, have a good week. Cheers for listening. Bye.